Jeff, the musicians, take your copy of God's Word, and uh, we're going to 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. If somebody up there could turn on the rest of the lights, that'd be great. We'll get it in a minute. 1 John chapter 5, we'll be beginning verse 1. In our study through this epistle, I've enjoyed it, uh, and I pray that you have as well. And we come in uh, chapter 5 this morning. There we go. Just turn them on. There we go. Awesome. All right. Amen. Good deal. Awesome. Uh, as I said, I was, uh, as we've moved through this uh, First John, I've enjoyed this epistle very much. I pray you have as well. And this morning, in chapter 5, we come to what I call uh, Christian confidence. Christian confidence. Uh, sometimes in the sports world, and we see it in, in each season, uh, players, professional players, may go into what we call a slump. They may... They may not be doing their best. In other words, they're on the team and, uh, you know, sometimes in golf, a golfer, I know slumps well in golf, okay? You, 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 you hit, I tell you, golf is deceptive. You hit one good shot and you think I'm ready for the PGA Tour. And then you hit 15 bad shots and, and you're throwing stuff and you know, golf is bad for your Christian testimony, by the way, okay? <laughs> But, uh, but you go into a slump, you, you, you play well, and then all of a sudden you don't play well. And you see baseball players, they go into a batting slump. They, they you know, might be hitting 300, and then next thing you know, they strike, they strike out 20 times in a row. Uh, football players go into a slump. Football, football teams go into a slump, right? And, and so they don't play as well. Well, you know, sometimes in the Christian life, uh, if we could use the analogy or the comparison, uh, sometimes in a Christian life you can just get in a spiritual slump, can't you? I mean, you, uh, it happens. I mean, and we, and we don't want it to happen. We, we, we fail, you know, we pray, and, we, and we, we read God's Word, and we know the Holy Spirit empowers us, and we know that. But the flesh is weak, isn't it? I mean, and, and in life sometimes... You just, you, you get in a slump. You, you, you have some failures in life. And, and, and listen, it's kind of like sports. One failure leads to discouragement because then I'm harder on myself than God is, I think, sometimes. Because I, 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 I chasten myself and say, you know, that was dumb. You shouldn't do that. And so we get into what, what we might call a spiritual slump. And we need encouragement. Well, I want you to know this morning, and what John wants us to know in this passage, is that no matter what happens in life, you are victorious in Christ. No matter what happens in life, you are already victorious in Jesus. You already have won the, the fight because you're united with Christ if you're born again by faith in Him. And so the good news is we are overcomers. And no matter how difficult life might get, no matter how uh, our spiritual life might get off track every now and then, Jesus is always right where we left Him. And He always calls us to confess and come back and we are overcomers in Jesus. So keep that in mind as we think about this morning, the, the confidence we have in Jesus Christ as Christians. Now he begins in verses one and two with an assurance of our victory, an assurance that we are more than conquerors in Christ. Look at verses one and two of 1 John chapter five. Now John said this, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. 
And everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Now the first thing I want us to unpack in these two verses is in the very first verse, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Now we've mentioned this in this study as we've moved through. This acknowledgement of, of Jesus Christ, this uh, believing that he is the Christ is more than an academic um, acknowledgement. It's more than just saying, yeah, I know about Jesus or, or I know what the Bible says about Jesus. John is saying that this involves personal faith. And, and there are some elements of this personal faith. And let me just remind you of them very quickly. When we talk about believing in Jesus Christ and we talk about believing that he is the Christ, what we're really saying is that we believe he's God. We, we understand that he's eternally God, that he, he's the creator God. And not only do we understand that he's God, that he is, uh, has been forever, is now, and will forever be, not only do we believe that he's God, but we believe in the incarnation. That he is the Christ means he stepped out of heaven and took on human form and took on humanity and walked a sinless life on this earth and died on the cross to pay for our sin. We believe in his incarnation, his sinless life. We believe in him being the, the sinless lamb of God who died to take away the sin of the world. And so to say that we believe that Jesus Christ, uh, that Jesus is the Christ, is to, is to embrace him as the savior of the world, as the son of God, as the one sent to die for us. And I'll tell you, it also includes believing in a literal death on the cross. That Jesus went to the cross and he hung up there and he died and he shed his blood. The wages of sin is death. And Jesus took our death. He took our penalty for sin and he hung on a cross. It is also to say we believe in his resurrection. They put him in a tomb and three days later, he conquered sin in the grave and he came out of the grave. He came out of the grave in a resurrection body and he was seen of many for 40 days and we believe he ascended back to heaven where right now he's at the right hand of the Father and he is our advocate. He's our great high priest. So to say that we believe Jesus is the Christ is more than an academic statement. It's more than a theological statement. It's a personal statement of faith. And so John is saying this. He said, look, those who believe that Jesus is the Christ, those who have put their faith in him to have him forgive our sin and impart to us eternal life, we are saved in Jesus Christ and we have the assurance of that salvation in him. Now, he says there are three evidences that prove. Now, listen, watch the, watch the progression here. Those who believe Jesus is the Christ are saved by faith in him, born again, new spiritual creation in Jesus Christ. He said those who are in that state, in that spiritual state of being born again, there are three overwhelming evidences in our lives in verses one and two that all of us should be able to see. You should be able to see it in your life. I should be able to see it in my life. Notice what he says in verses one and two again. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Now watch this, and everyone who loves him, loves God, who begot, also loves him who is begotten, loves other people who are saved. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. So he says three things there. The very first evidence of, of salvation that we should be confident in when we see it in our lives is that if we're truly saved by faith in Jesus Christ, we will love God. We will love him back. We will reciprocate his love. Now, let's be completely honest about it, in our humanity, we never love God like we should. We never love God with the complete surrender that we should because we're human and because we're weak and we fail. 
But the fact is, if you're saved, and those who are watching online this morning, if you know Jesus Christ, you should have a, a, a love for him and affection for him as your heavenly father. And the Holy Spirit creates that in us, which is an evidence of our salvation. You see, I, I have met people in my life who say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian or I'm, or I'm saved. And they don't care anything about God. They don't care anything about God or his word or anything that, to do with God. And that's a contradiction in terms. No, John said if, we are, if we're saved, we're gonna love God. Now here's the natural progression of this, watch. If I'm born again by faith in Jesus Christ, I believe he's the Christ. I have this natural inclination created in me by the Holy Spirit to reciprocate the love of God back to him in thankfulness for his love. Then it just stands a reason that I will love also those who are begotten by him, which is who? My brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, in the human realm, we have a familial relationship. Parents, moms and dads that we love naturally, which again, he's our heavenly father, we should love him naturally. And then we have siblings in the family. Now siblings fight sometimes, just hang around a Baptist church and you'll find out. But the fact is God creates love in us, does he not? He creates a, a, a compassion for one another and a familial relationship. And we've shared this many times through this study. I would much rather, much rather hang around with God's people and hang around with brothers and sisters in Christ and be encouraged in the fellowship with one another than to hang around with the world. Now the problem is God told me to be salt and light to the world so I gotta get out there. But the point is we have a familial relationship with one another. So we love God and we love one another. Now watch the third one. If we're born again and we, and we believe Jesus is the Christ, we're saved by faith in him, then we're gonna love God. We're gonna be able to see that we love God in some degree. We're gonna have a familiar relationship, which means we're gonna like other Christians, which means we're gonna like church and we're gonna like hanging around with one another. Why? Because we're saved. But the third one is this. He says, also if we're saved, we will obey the commands of God. You see that? That we will obey the commands of God. Now, what does that mean? It means that we want to do what God tells us to do. When I was a kid growing up, there were two reasons I obeyed my dad. One of them was very literal. He was, he was the head of the house and nobody, trust me, everybody knew that. And if you didn't do what he said, there was serious consequences. So, so he, was, he was father figure in the home. But the other reason was I loved him and I respected him. And I would never do anything to disrespect him or to harm him. Is it not the same with God? He's the Father, He's the Heavenly Father. And if we're saved and He's our Heavenly Father, then there is this desire to express our love and obedience, to do what He asks us to do, to do His commands. In fact, love is just a word unless it has some expression. Love is just a word unless it has, it has some, some manifestation in life. Is it not true that if you're saved, you wanna do what pleases the Father? You don't want to displease Him. In fact, it goes back to what we said in the beginning, when I fail God, it hurts my heart because I know I have, I have displeased Him, I've offended Him with my failure, with my sin, and if you're saved, you don't wanna do that. And so John gives us these three things very quickly. He says, you're gonna love God, you're gonna love others, and you will have this desire to obey the commands of God. May I ask you this morning, to look in your own heart. Those who are watching online and those who will watch these videos later, do you see these three things in your life in any way? Do you have any, any compelling conviction in you to love God 
to reciprocate his love for you? Do you have any, any compelling conviction to be in the fellowship of the church, to hang around with other Christians, to love and minister to one another? Do you have a compelling, a compelling conviction in your heart to do what God tells you to do in the Bible? And I mean in every area, in holiness and righteousness and sharing the gospel and ministering to those in need and reaching out into a lost world. Do you have any conviction about doing the things that God's asked you to do? And I would ask you very honestly and candidly this morning, if you don't see any of those things in your life, examine your salvation. Examine your relationship with God. Where are you in your relationship to God? Because John very clearly said, those who declare that Jesus is the Christ have all of these things. They love God. They love those who are begotten by God, and they have a desire to obey his word. Now, I like verse three as we move through this passage. When we talk about obeying the commands of God, the first thing that comes to our mind is rules, right? Well, I gotta read the Bible, and whatever it says in there, I gotta, I gotta make sure I do all this stuff, right? And, and us Baptists, we're notorious for making uh, you know, legalistic things to, to do. Notice what John says in verse three about this. For this is the love of God, now watch this, that we keep his commandments, we just talked about that. Now look at the last part of verse three. And his commandments are not what? Burdensome. They're not a burden to bear. You see, if you're a child of God, it's not a legalistic thing that you do to serve God. It's not a burden at all, you do it out of love. Let, let, me, let me demonstrate it this way your spouse, your husband, or your wife, the things that you do for them are not burdens, you do them out of love. They're not, they're not something that you carry around uh, that you go, oh my goodness, you know, it's her birthday again, so I guess I gotta go find something, you know. I mean, that's not your attitude at all. You know, what do you do? You think, man, it's, it's my wife's birthday, it's our anniversary, and so you think, what can I do that will surprise her this year? What can I do that will, will be different this year? What motivates you to spend the time to do that? Love does. It's not a burden. You're not, you're, not, you're not treating that thing as a burden. And think about this in your own family. Is there anything you wouldn't do for your children? No, there isn't. You don't, because listen, raising kids is hard, isn't it? I mean, you raise, you know, I had one guy said it's like being pecked to death by a duck. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's like on and on and on, you know, it's just this blunt thing all the time. It's hard raising kids, but you know what? You do it, you do it, why? Because you love them, right? And it's not a burden, you do it. You do it, you do it over and over and over and you do all the sacrifices it take. You do it, why? Because you love them. It's the same idea with the commandments of God. The commandments of God cannot be a burden that weigh us down as this legalistic thing that we do, why? Because he loved us first and we reciprocate the love. You see how it's connected? I think when John wrote this, he had in mind the pharisaical system of his day. Now, I don't want to get into this, but you remember we talked uh, on Sunday nights a few, a few weeks ago in our series on Sunday night on the, on the ministries of Jesus. We talked about the Pharisees and how the Mishnah is, is these, these oral traditions of laws that they were created that really became a burden. And listen to what Jesus said about those, about those oral traditions in Matthew 23 in the first part of the verse. He said, for they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders. Jesus said, look, You've created, Jesus scolded them. He said, you have taken the law of God and created this burden that you put on people that they can't bear, they can't do it. And churches can be guilty of that today, can be guilty of turning uh, Christianity into this burdensome thing that goes on and it should never be that way. But listen, Jesus later said, 
Actually, he said it in, in chapter 11 of Matthew. He said this in verse 29. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now listen to what he said. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, serving Jesus is not a, is not a, a legalistic burden thing that we bear. It's not his load that we carry. His, load is, his, his yoke is light and it's enjoyable. Now, now again, let's be, let's be honest. In shoe leather tra- uh, Christianity, the Christian life can be challenging, can it? I mean, you, can, you, you run into things, temptations and trials roll around every day, and, and, and it's challenging. And the Apostle Paul said, we are, we are engaged in spiritual warfare around us all the time. But those things that we deal with, there's a difference between challenging and burdensome. Challenging's okay. Burdensome's not. Challenging is just part of the deal. Burdensome is not. And, and so as we walk through this life in the power of the Holy Spirit, we face the challenges, but we never get weary in doing it. Why? Because we love God and we want to serve Him. And so there's, there's no burden here. Now, let me give you two reasons um, that the commandments of God are not burdensome. Two reasons that John speaks of here. And the first one we've already talked about is love. When we willingly want to help someone or we willingly want to serve God, it's, it's in our passion to do it, it's not a burden, okay? So love makes all the difference. I, was, I read a story uh, not too long ago of a, of, of a little boy uh, before there was a time of public transportation for school and uh, there was a bigger boy and a little boy and, and, and the bigger boy was walking to school carrying the little boy on his back. And a man drove up in his car and he said, hey, uh, and he could easily see that the, the boy uh, that was being carried on the back, the little boy had a handicap and he couldn't walk. And so the big boy was carrying him to school. And the man in the car said, hey, uh, do you carry him to school every day like that? And the boy, the bigger boy said, yeah. And he said, well, that's quite uh, the burden that you bear every day. And the boy said, he's not a burden, he's my brother. So it makes all the difference in the world. It's not a burden, he's my brother. I towed him to school because he's my brother. You see, we do the same, it's the same attitude toward God. People will say to you, why do you, why do you serve God so as you do? Why do you be so involved in the church? Why are you in the music? Why are you in the children's program? Why are you gonna take time to make a trunk for the trunk or treat and, and meet kids that'll come into the neighborhood? Why do you do that? Why do you take time out of your busy schedule when everybody's busy? Why do you do that? Why do you invest finances and, and, and personal resources and your talents and why do you take on responsibilities when you already have a life full of responsibilities and why are you so involved in serving in the ministry of the local church or in missions or whatever you serve in? Why do you take those burdens on? And our answer is the same. They're not burdens at all. They're, they're just things that we do because we love God. They are the things that we do because we are the children of God. And so being, uh, being uh, in love with God makes all difference in the world. And secondly, get this now, the reason God's commandments are not a burden is we do them in his power. We don't do them in our power. You see, if I try to do God's commandments in my power, it's a soup sandwich, right? It's all messed up. But if I do it, if I do it in the power of the Holy Spirit, if I say, God, I can't preach today, but it's your word, so you do something with it. God, I can't witness today because they won't listen to me, but it's the Holy Spirit who draws them, not me. And, and all we are is the instrument. You see, it's in the power of the Holy Spirit that we serve God, it's in His power. He's the one who enables, listen, you know this, God will never ask you to do anything that He won't enable you to do. He'll never call you to do a ministry that He won't give you the ability to do it. He'll never call us uh, to serve. 
He takes our weaknesses and he makes them strong. And he takes our nothing and he makes it something. All he wants is our willingness. So we serve God because we love him and we serve him because it's in his power. Now, John further encourages us in verses four and five. He said, look, when you get discouraged and you're in a slump spiritually, understand this, you've already won the game, okay? You, it, the, the victory is already assured. We're just going through the process. Look at verses four and five. He says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And we could say whoever's born of God. It's the same thing. Whatever's born of God, whoever is born again, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, whoever has put their faith in Jesus, forgiven of their sin, born again, they've overcome the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Verse five, who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. All the difficulties that we run into in life, all the challenges of the ministry and the challenges of the Christian life are already overcome by Jesus. They're already won by Jesus. The setbacks that we experience in this life are just scuffles along the way because the, the battle, the war's already won. And, and he says here that the thing that, that gives us the victory is our faith. You see, the world, the world system, and the secular humanistic world system that's around us is completely against God. I mean, all you have to do is look at the news today and look at society today. Everything about society today is 180 degrees out of where it ought to be. In today's society, we have fulfilled prophecy in the Bible, what we call right, wrong, and wrong, right. And we're there, we're living in it today. And you say, well, well how, do we, how do we have victory in that? How do we not be discouraged all day? How do we not watch the news and, and think, man, the sky's falling. I'm just gonna pack up my stuff and, and live in my corner until Jesus come. Why don't we have that kind of feeling? Because in Jesus Christ and our faith, we recognize we already have the victory. You see, Satan's fighting a losing war. He's fighting a losing battle, he's already lost. And he's out there doing the best he can do and he's destroying the world and he's, he's trying to destroy people's lives and, and, and take lost men and women to hell. He's doing all that he can do, but we had to understand in Jesus Christ, we're already victorious. We already have the victory. And so there's no reason to be, to be discouraged. There's no reason to, be, uh, to, to not be encouraged in our faith in him. Those who are united to Jesus by faith are united in his victory. Now faith is spoken of in two ways here. And we can think of faith in two ways. And the first one is this, there is an initial saving faith. Uh, tonight in our, in our study on the ministry of Jesus, we're gonna talk about Jairus and his daughter and Jesus raising her from the dead. And his faith, his faith in the beginning was small. He said, why don't you come touch my daughter? He wasn't like the Roman centurion who said, Lord, you can just command her to be, command my servant to be healed from a distance and, and he'll be healed. No, Jairus said, you need to come touch my daughter and heal her. His faith was small. But see, Jesus doesn't ask it. What does it take? The faith of a mustard seed, right? We don't need a lot of faith. We just need faith. So see, faith begins with saving faith. For by grace, we're saved through faith, right? In Jesus Christ. And not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians. Two, listen, we come to Jesus first by faith. We come to him with an initial saving faith, but then get this, the Christian life is about ongoing faith every day. There's saving faith, and then there's ongoing faith. There is daily faith. Paul said in Romans 1, 16 and 17, listen to this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now listen to this. 
For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. That is risen, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. It's faith to faith. We're saved by faith. We walk by faith. Every day is faith. In fact, here's the goal. That as we are conformed to the image of Christ, our faith grows. And we trust God more and more every day. I can tell you this. The day I got saved, I was 11 years old. I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know any theology. I didn't know what incarnation meant. I didn't know any of that stuff. But when the lady shared with me that I was lost and Jesus died on the cross for my sin and that if I trusted him by faith, he would forgive me and save me, I believed the message of the Bible and I prayed to receive Christ. Now, since I was saved all those years ago, I've read the Bible, I've gone to school and I've studied, and I can say to you, my faith is further down the road than it was the day I got saved, okay? So there's saving faith, and then there's walking faith. There's faith to faith every day. You say, well, how important is our walking faith? Well, it's essential, because you wanna know one of the reasons we get in a slump? Because we're not growing in our faith. You wanna know one of the reasons we get discouraged? Because we're not growing in our faith. And so growing in our faith is absolutely uh, essential to our Christian walk and to walking with God. And then finally, John tells us this in verse six. He talks about uh, the testimony of the truth. And he said, there are witnesses in life. There's witnesses to the fact that Jesus is who he is and that our faith is well-founded in Jesus Christ. Look at verse six with me. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the spirit who bears witness because the spirit is truth. In Deuteronomy chapter 19, under the law, it said before a person could be convicted of a crime, it took two or more witnesses. In other words, one person could not testify and have a person convicted of a crime. So it stands to reason that God uh, would give multiple witnesses to who he is and to the person of Jesus Christ. And he says here that Jesus came by the water, by the blood, and by the spirit. Now, I don't know if there are many passages of the Bible that have so many widely diverse interpretations about what the water uh, and the blood and the spirit are, but I'm glad you came today because I'm gonna give you the right one. Are you ready? I'm gonna give you the one that, that you need to remember. There's no sense in trying to be cute with this and attach the water and the blood, the physical birth and all. We don't, you don't need to do that. Uh, the plain truth is often the real truth, okay? So let me tell you what he's saying here. The ministry of Jesus Christ began where? Pop quiz. His baptism, right? He goes down to the Jordan River. John the Apostle's there. Uh, well, John the Baptist is there. And John, uh, he comes to John. He says, baptize me. And John said, well, you should be baptizing me. And he said, no, allow it. Suffer it because it's meant to be. Jesus began his ministry by going into the water and being baptized as a testimony to you and I about baptism and to begin his ministry. And what happened as soon as Jesus was baptized and he came up out of the water, remember what happened? God the Father spoke from heaven and said what? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So his ministry began with a testimony from who? God the Father, the water in the beginning. God the Father said, this is my son. Honestly, for me, you don't need a testimony past that, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty good. I mean, God. Almighty speaks down out of heaven, the Father, and says, by the way, this is my son, and I'm well pleased in him. That's a clue you ought to listen to Jesus, all right? But testimony, baptism, water, then what's the blood about? Well, we know at the end of his ministry, what did he do? He went to the cross, he shed his blood, 
His shed blood paid the remission for our sin. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So the blood represents the cross. It represents the testimony. You say, well, why is that a testimony? Because he died a literal death and three days later he came out of the grave. Best I can tell, nobody's ever done that before. Nobody's ever done it before that and nobody's ever done it since that. So there's the testimony, the witness of his person, of who he is. Every year at Easter, uh, we preach the resurrection. And I share with you every single year, if you want one definitive proof, one overwhelming evidence that Jesus is who he said he is, it's the fact that he came out of the grave. If, if, you didn't, if you struggle with everything else in the gospel, the fact that Jesus walked out of the grave in a resurrection body and was seen of multitudes for 40 days is overwhelming evidence that he's who he, who he said he is. So we have the testimony of the water, we have the testimony of the blood, and then finally, we have the testimony of the Spirit. You all remember in, the, in Acts, the, the day of Pentecost, right? The church was born. The Spirit came down and filled those believers as evidenced by uh, the blowing wind and the tongues of fire over their head. And the, and the church was born. And today, the body of Jesus Christ, 2,000 plus years later, all over the world, in Croatia and, and in Japan and Australia and anywhere in Europe and in the East, wherever there are uh, born again men, men and women who have heard the gospel and trusted Jesus by faith, they are filled with the Spirit. And we're all born into the body of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit today, today and throughout the church age bears witness to the truth of who Jesus is. In fact, in fact, listen, when you heard the gospel on the day you were saved, you didn't get saved because some man or speaker or person on the radio was so witty with the gospel. You got saved because the Holy Spirit bore witness to your heart of the truth of what you heard and the Holy Spirit drew you to be saved. So in every born again child of God, there is the witness of the Spirit to the veracity of who Jesus Christ is. So we have those three witnesses. We have the water the baptism, the blood, the cross, and the resurrection, and we have uh, the Spirit bearing witness, even today. And you know, even among the lost world, the Bible says the Spirit is in the world convicting and convincing men and women of their sin. Even lost men and women who reject Jesus know they're wrong. They just won't admit it. You know how they know they're wrong? Because the Holy Spirit tells them they're wrong and bears witness to them in the air image of God that they're wrong. So listen, as we conclude, here it is. Are you listening? John said that we can know and have confidence in our faith and confidence in our Christian walk even when we fail, even when we're in a slump, even when things aren't what we think they ought to be. And you know how you have the evidence of that? Number one, you love God. You know what? No matter how bad things are going in my life, my love for God never changes. Never changes. And I know His love for me never changes. The second thing, I love God's people. The evidence in my life that, that God's at work is because I love you. And I know God's at work in your life if you love me, because you couldn't unless God helped you, right? Hey, there's people in the world that are hard to love, aren't they? And the, and the Holy Spirit helps us love them. So we love God, we love one another. And then here's, here's the evidence you really can tell, is you obey God, you walk with Him. You say, God, I want to do what you tell me to do. I, I pray this often, and, and I pray you do too, Lord, I, when I'm studying, I don't know about you, but when I'm studying and I'm reading and the Bible just starts, you know, convicting me, I tell God, God, I want to do that. I want to do it. Well, that's proof that you're saved because you want to. 
But then I have to tell him, but I don't know how. And that's where God goes, yeah, I got that covered. You just want to, and then I'll help you do the rest, okay? Is that where you are in your life today? You who are watching online, can you say, man, I love God. I love God's people. I love his church, and I want to obey him. If you can't say that, you really need to get saved today. If that's, not a, if that's not the desire of your heart, you really need to come to Christ today. Would you do that? I invite you today as we pray. Would you ask Jesus to forgive your sin? Would you confess your sin to him? Ask him to forgive you. You see, the Bible says, for whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can be saved today. You watching online, you can be saved right there in your living room, at your computer screen. You can be saved if you'll ask him. Will you ask him today? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the assurance we have uh, in Jesus Christ, thank you for the confidence that we can have uh, through, the, through the testimony of, of the baptism and the cross and the Holy Spirit. Lord, maybe there's somebody today under the hearing of your word watching online or maybe they're watching this video later. Uh, somebody in this room, Lord, in the balcony or down here. And Father, and they're not sure they're saved. They don't have uh, really an affection for you, God. There's no love for other Christians. And God, they really don't have any desire to read the Bible and obey what you command us to do. Lord, I pray, Father, right now that you would convict them. Holy Spirit, that you would draw them to pray in the quietness of this moment. That they might just say, God, I know I'm a sinner and I, I, I want to be saved. God, I believe Jesus Christ died on a cross to pay for my sin and he rose again the third day. God, save me right now. Forgive my sin. Give me your life, your eternal life. Father, help us as Christians to be encouraged today. Help us, God, in those discouraging times to walk with you and be encouraged in all your promises. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing and we stand together, if I can pray with you or help you, you come to the first verse. after the service we'll be glad to talk with you don't leave this place without knowing that you're saved today tonight we're going to continue our our study and the ministry of jesus talk about jairus's daughter we're going to get to hear from daniel so i want to have you come back and, and hear about his ministry in croatia uh awana at five o'clock anything else let's pray father thank you for this morning for your word uh, for the opportunity to sing and praise you god i pray you give us a good afternoon now Bless the ministries that will continue throughout the day. In Jesus' name, amen.